Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? Uh, I just turned 21. Pretty sick. Oh, my God. I forgot that you turned 21. What did you do to celebrate? Not much in Chicago. Just went out with my uncle and my cousin. Shout out Uncle James and Journey Plumbing. Um, <laughs> and then here, uh, some friends threw me a, um, a very small <laughs> uh, little get together yesterday. Aww. Um, How do you know they didn't just forget your birthday until yesterday? Because they texted me over there. Oh, but. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy belated birthday. The crazy thing, though, is so I bought alcohol twice since I turned 21. Nice. Which was a week ago. Neither time I've been carded. Like, both times they didn't card me. Like, I intentionally like, tried to look young. Like, I tried to look nervous. I was like, <laughs> and the guy just looked at me in the eyes and was just like, here you go. Like, what? What? It was a really exciting experience for me to, like, finally be able to present my ID and then. <laughs> and, like, a neat little, like, card holder. It was raw. Shiny and polished. I literally, like, he didn't ask my ID, and I, like, almost cried. I was oh. like, I waited this long for nothing. I am so sorry. I didn't know you were going through this traumatic experience. I'm pretty hard. Or else I wouldn't have bullied you for the past week. Yo, wait. That means that for right now, you are two years my elder. Yeah, I'm two years older than you. I'm literally a teenager. Yeah, but like I was 20 before, so it was the same. It was the same deal. Yeah, but 20 is like the bridge. 21 is like the other side, you know? Well, I actually feel older, like not going to lie. Like I feel like an adult. I feel (laughs) – just kidding. (laughs) No. But I mean, if this is like 200 years ago, I'd probably have a kid right now. So that's crazy. So anyways, today is a super exciting episode because me and Sam will be interviewing director Andrew Ahn on his film Driveways, which was released last year, over a cup of iced latte. Yep, I'm super excited and let's get into the podcast. So for today's drink, we have an iced latte, which is so classic, such a classic drink. Can't believe I haven't suggested this before. As you guys know, I'm a huge coffee drinker, love coffee, love coffee products, etc. Um, and recently, this sounds so irritating, but <laughs> I love making lattes with oat milk. Um, <laughs> which is so on brand and so irritating, I know, but um, I really think that it enhances the flavor and um, it's just like more creamy. Yeah, usually I don't drink lattes in the morning though. I usually drink it like in the afternoon as like my second cup just to like chill, you know, and the first cup is just like regular coffee. But honestly, lattes are good for any time of the day. Yeah, um, I actually also made my latte or... Alina made my latte with... Give her credit. Yes, of course. <laughs> with... What's the milk called? Oh, almond milk. Because <laughs> lately, um, regular milk has just been hitting not right. Um, but 
almond milk's really been doing it for me. Good latte woke me up, but coffee kind of makes my stomach a little sick, so I normally don't do lattes. In the- I know, I have the week. That just sounds like weak to me. Yeah. Also, pause. Basically, Sam wrote a review of this album by Chris Crack, and he made like a small mistake, and then Chris Crack like commented, and then we DM'd him apologizing. <laughs> Like, we DM'd him a paragraph, and he sends back... Oh, thank God, okay. ...different heart emojis. Like, what? That's so funny. Literally no words, just three hearts. Um, yeah, so that happened. Usually we would speak more on lattes, but I think it's, it's pretty well known that it's a great drink. Today, we're really excited because we're going to be interviewing... Um, the director of the film Driveways, Andrew On. Me and Sam actually watched this film together when he visited Philly. And I think that for both of us, it was just like a very pleasant film to watch. And we both really like resonated with the characters um, in the movie. And just like a little bit of background, Driveways is a film that came out last year Basically, it's about a single mother who has to pack up her um, sister's house after she died. And she has this son named Cody who's like really shy. And basically, he befriends um, their neighbor who's like an old guy who fought in the war. And basically, they just have this really adorable friendship. Yeah. What struck me most about the movie is that it took this format that I feel like you see pretty often, like a story about a friendship with a small group of characters, but really altered the traditional roles that people play in the story. So the three main characters, Kathy and Cody and Del, are just so well thought out, and their relationships make so much sense in the context that I feel like you don't really see in that many films. And... I feel like the film also feels very little pressure to be more than what it is. Like, it introduces the film, it introduces the three characters, and not much, like, there's definitely a lot that goes on in the story, but they don't try to introduce a ton of other characters. They don't have them go through anything unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Like, you meet these characters and you live with them for an hour and a half, which I think is, like, awesome and a big accomplishment as a director with them. No, definitely. And like, I think that for both of us, we're like, we appreciate, you know, slower, well done films, but we're both like, sort of wary about like, slow films. But this one, like, it was definitely a slower film, because it doesn't build up that much tension. But like, we both really loved it anyways, just because of how well done the characters were. And I think that that's really impressive because it's really hard to recreate real people on screen and have your viewers be engaged and invested in these people without making a film that seems too oversaturated or characters that are oversaturated, which is like what a lot of Hollywood does. Like you're like, this person literally would never exist in real life and these relationships would never exist. While here, it just feels like you can empathize with all of the characters I think that that was yeah that was just like really impressive to me also the colors in the film were beautiful just like the cinematography was amazing yeah and I think one 
aspect of that is that this film had maybe like three real locations that characters went. I guess there was that one time where he had his birthday where they kind of went everywhere. But other than that, it was kind of in the house or on the porch or in the yard. There weren't, there wasn't a huge variety of locations. And I think that allowed the film to get the most out of every single shot. Like, I don't think there was a shot wasted because, and I'm sure we'll ask Andrew about this, but I don't think that he would have been able to hold our attention if they had these three sets and the shots were the same every time. Mm -hmm. Also, just in general, Shout out Asian American directors. The fact that he could make this movie and get funding for it like boggles me. Just because the Hollywood, the people don't want to make POC films. But yeah, I just love that he like was able to do that. It's kind of surprising just because I feel like The Farewell came out last year. And I feel like people hailed that as like, whoa. Like, this is crazy that this happened. And this year, I feel like, obviously, there's not the same amount of representation that there should be. But um, these films are coming out, and it's not like a whoa. Like, it's like, this is something that is starting to be accepted and starting to be more of a thing within cinema and Hollywood. And at the same time, it surprises me because I don't see the same thing happening with um, Black films or with Latinx films. I feel like kind of that Hollywood picks its like moments. Like I feel like Black films had a real moment. Like what, like Moonlight, there's like tons of Black films that year. And now it's like, I, I just think it like points to a broader critique of the system in terms of like only pushing one minority voice at a time. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I know what you're saying, but I think in general, it's just like funny because it just seems like now people are like, oh shit, it's like cool to have representation. And like, Mm. I guess like, I guess people don't, don't just want to see white people like fucking around on screen. Like, oh, maybe this movie with like minorities, like, might be like something that people want to watch and it's like honey we've been new but i also just love interviewing poc creators because i just feel like they just have a better sense not saying that white people can't direct martin scorsese i see you but i don't think he needs you to see it (laughs) um but i just feel like they have more like of a sense of empathy and like creating human characters and like telling different stories beyond the surface you know like not to generalize again martin scorsese we would love to have you on this podcast (laughs) but um i don't know i just feel like with poc creators yeah they just have more experiences that are untold that i rarely see like on screen otherwise you know yeah i would say especially like newer POC creators because like Spike Lee hasn't been hitting lately (laughs) I feel like once you're in Hollywood for long enough it's like you become you become that yeah I mean a lot of moving parts so we don't really know what's going on in Hollywood 
Just a little bit of background on Andrew On. He's a film director who not only directed Driveways, but also Spa Night, which was released in 2016. He graduated from Brown University and then received an MFA from the California Institute of the Arts. Both these films have been very successful. Spa Night um, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2016. Spa Night also highlights the stories of queer Asian people, which is amazing. And um, yeah, so we're just really excited to talk to you, Andrew, on about his filmmaking, representation in filmmaking, and what he's looking to do in the future. So we're going to call him on right now. Hi. Hi. I'm sorry I'm late. I got stuck on another Zoom. Oh my God, no worries. So popular. (laughs) One (laughs) Zoom call after the next. What's up? Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, is that where you is that where you live? I, this is yeah. This is this is where I live. I'm actually I'm actually at my parents' place because I've I've decided to shelter in place with them, and you know, like five months later, I'm still here because this pandemic <laughs> is not over. That um, was us with college. Yeah, we're just gonna have an extra long spring break. <laughs> five months later. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, no, thanks, thanks again for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, we're so excited to speak with you on your film. Um, Usually, me and Sam, like, we watch our film separately, but we happen to watch this one together, um, which was, like, perfect. Our first question, I guess, would be about the Asian representation in this film. Um, So, also, you know, your movie Spa Night, like, also highlighted queer Asian people. And I was just wondering, like, how did you get so many people on board with that? Like knowing the like film space and um, (laughs) is that like your number one goal as a filmmaker, like to highlight those type of stories? Uh, Yeah, you know, when I was making Spa Night, um, I was really, uh, I was really anxious about, um, you know, talking about queerness within um, the Korean American community. Uh, you know, when we did auditions, um, uh, I had a, an actor come in auditioning for the role of the mom in the film. And uh, and she told me that, you know, if I offered her the part that she would probably have to turn it down because, you know, her husband's a pastor and uh, she just didn't think that it would be uh, cool with him. And you know, and we auditioned a young Korean American actor for the lead role. And, you know, uh, similarly, like, you know, he told me, it's like, if you offer me this part, like, I don't know if I could take it. Like, I told my mom about what this movie's about. And and she said that if I if I did it, that um, she would send me to like, uh, like hide out in Korea while the controversy dies down, you know. You know, and then it it was similar with locations, right? Like I was going to these like Korean American establishments, whether they were churches or spas or restaurants. And, you know, like if they asked what the movie was about and I told them that it was about, you know, a young Korean American man that like finds out that like men are having gay sex at a Korean spa, like, you know, they would say no. Um, (laughs) 
And so, you know, it was really disheartening and, and it made me realize actually that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the case in Hollywood or in the, the film and television industry that um, you have like executives or investors who are being like homophobic or racist all the time. You know, the reason why Spa Night was hard to make was because of the actual community that I wanted to portray, you know? And, um, and so that for me felt like, you know, even more reason to make the movie, you know, that it felt like um, it, it was really meaningful and that, um, you know, that it would, that it would, it would help the community in some way. Um, you know, the church that we ended up shooting Spa Night at, um, you know, we, we had lost like a church location before and had churches like just turn us away. And so we decided that like, you know, from that point forward, if I wanted a church scene, which I really wanted because it's a big part of Korean American culture that, um, I had to do like a little bit of like, you know, not telling the full truth. <laughs> and so, um, and so we found this church and they were really down for us to like, you know, shoot a film there. And, and I had told them that it was about a Korean American immigrant family, you know, and their struggles, which is a hundred percent true. Um, you know, uh, and I had gone to the church, you know, the week before the shoot to just do like a final, you know, like scout of the space and, you know, the, the pastor saw me and he was like, Hey, like you're, you're the filmmaker making the movie here next week. Like, we're so excited to have you. And he invited me to eat lunch with the congregation. And, you know, he made like a speech in front of everybody saying like, this is the young Korean American filmmaker, like showing off our culture. Like, aren't we so excited? And I left the church that day, like, like crying. Like I like was in tears because I just was like, oh my God, like I'm like fooling these people and it's so unethical. And I talked to my producers and I was just like weeping um, because I felt so guilty. Um, and, you know, with a lot of um, kind of like meditation and thought on that, you know, I realized like, you know, hey, like, if this film, you know, allows like someone from that church to feel more comfortable about talking about their sexuality to their fair, like their, their family, um, then, you know, like I'm on the right side of history here, you know, and, 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 you know, if the church is going to be angry and they want to like, you know, confront me about this, like, I'm happy to have that conversation because I think it's a necessary conversation. Um, you know, like cut to like a couple months later, like after the film was done, after we had premiered at Sundance, um, and it was, um, it was the democratic primaries for the 2016 election. And I realized that my polling place is that church. And so if I wanted to vote, I had to go there. Um, and I was like, you know what, Andrew, just like walk in, vote, walk out. And as soon as I step inside, the person like checking your name and your address is the pastor. And I like fully like 
walked straight out of that church, like didn't vote, felt like a bad American, like a bad Korean, <laughs> you know, um, and then I registered to vote by mail permanently. Um, but yeah, you know, it's tough. Like, it's tough. You know, w- will I say that like my desire in this industry is to, um, you know, really change that to really tell stories from like this community? Like, I think that's always going to be a cornerstone of, of, of my work, you know? Um, I think that there are so many interesting stories um, that aren't, you know, told um, about like this intersection of, of, you know, queer and Asian American. Um, you know, is every film I'm going to make those two things? Like, you know, I don't know, maybe like I, in some ways, like hopefully, like if there's a if there's a, a way that I could make those films and make a living, you know, like that would be great. And and I'll say that when I made Spawn, I, I don't think I thought that that was like um, a sustainable kind of like artistic um, career, you know, like I, I felt like maybe I wouldn't be able to make money like, you know, Spawn, I like we still haven't necessarily like made our money back. Right. You know, um, uh, it's not like a superhero movie. Um, but, um, but you know, now actually, like, I wonder, like maybe I could make a career of just like really gay, really Korean things and see if that like actually works out, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about and, and, you know, uh, and it's something that I think is is, is just a, a, a community of people that like should see themselves on screen more often, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah. And on that note of like racial identity in film, um, I heard you say that for driveways, you didn't know, like after you came up with the idea, you weren't sure if the characters could be Asian and that you had to like, ask and make sure that that was something that could happen. So I was wondering what it was like for you to come up with and write characters before you knew like their race and what they were representing. Yeah, um, so so Driveways, I, I, I didn't write. I had actually gotten the script, you know, from, um, you know, uh, from our producer, uh, Joe Pirro, and it was written by two New York playwrights, um, Hannah Boss and Paul Therene. And um, I, I noticed that the roles of Kathy and Cody, you know, they weren't specified, right? Like what their ethnicity was. And, um, uh, but I, I can kind of guarantee you that like, you know, many other directors, you know, like a white, director would probably have read that and been like, yeah, like that's, you know, these are white characters. Um, But, um, you know, when I read it, there was something so uh, beautiful about, um, you know, uh, about these characters that I, I could just see, you know, you know, like it could be so interesting if they were Asian American. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, it's a little bit like reductive of me to say, but because I'm Asian American, like I really like the idea of of having them be Asian American. And, you know, and it felt actually very supported by the script because Kathy and Cody in Driveways, they feel like outsiders in this town that is like presumably like a 
very white town, right? And so, like, even the kind of nosy neighbor, Linda, um, you know, like, her question about, like, oh, like, where are you from? Like, you know, that was in the script originally. You know, even her saying, um, like, I, I assume that you're related to the woman who used to live here. Like, it means something different if, like, you're Asian American and the woman that used to live here was the only Asian American on the block. So like, of course you must be related, but it, you know, again, that line was already in there before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another moment that I really like um, is the scene with um, uh, the real estate agent, you know, uh, who's a black woman living in this town. And, and um, Kathy asks her like, do you like living here? And you know, the real estate agent is like, you know, I like selling here. <laughs> I think yeah. that that's, you know, very telling about like, you know, just what is it like to be a, a person of color, you know, mm-hmm. to be, a, you know, a, 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 a someone who, who isn't like in a city, right? Like with other communities, uh, you know, with, with like, Uh, a population you know in the way that like I grew up you know having Koreatown right like what is what is that like for for you know that population of of Asian Americans and so that that to me was really exciting to explore um you know I will say that um I I was really worried uh to a certain extent you know um I I knew that by making that change that um you know people would bring up connections to to that clint eastwood movie grand torino Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and that there would be this question of kind of like is this a white savior story and and so i worked really hard to really mitigate that um you know i didn't want um i didn't want that to be a thing and and then um you know like in conversations I had with people after the movie was made, you know, at screenings, you know, I had some people say like, hey, like, why didn't you make a bigger deal of Dell being a Korean War veteran and this family next door being Asian? And I was like, because I don't want that to be the reason that like Dell like kind of helps them. Like, I don't want him to like, out of guilt, you know, because he like, was a part of war in Asia, you know, feel like he, that he's like atoning for his sins. I was like, I don't forgive him. Like, that's not, that's not the point. He could still be friends with these people, you know, because like it's human decency. Right. Um, and so, it, you know, it was, it was a, it was a really delicate balance. And, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, critique anybody for like having that perspective on on driveways but you know uh it was something that i was very conscious of and and was trying to find you know like you know really center the asian american perspective as opposed to in gran torino which is very you know like clint eastwood centered um and so you know in some ways like my you know once i made that call and and once we were like a hundred percent sure this was the way we're going to go with it um you know i had to kind of like motivate myself being like this is the um this is the corrective of grandeur you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. um 
but yeah, you know, sometimes I feel very, uh, like silly bringing it up because I just don't want those connections to get made. But like, you know, people, yeah. people know it. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I ultimately am very proud of the, the kind of, uh, perspective of driveways and the line that it's walking, um, you know, and, and, you know, I had made Spawnite before that like basically doesn't have any white people at all, you know? And so it's like, I, I think, um, you know, I could explore that for this movie, <laughs> you know? Um, it felt like something that I, you know, I was interested in, in like the challenge. Yeah. I was going to say like, this is why I think that POC creators are so important because originally when I saw, you know, the like, two Asian people and then the white guy was like oh my god is this another white savior movie sure. like I was like uh but then it just like walked the line so well especially when Linda like didn't explicitly ask where are you really from yeah because like that's a little that's like so classic you know what I mean and it doesn't need to be said for that to be portrayed and like her not saying that which I expected her to say I was like, okay, this movie gets it. Like, it's not just like, let me throw this like stereotypical yeah. line in there that everybody thinks that everybody asks. I think most of the time people don't ask that explicitly, but they're, yeah. you know, and like that, your perspective directing the movie was very clear in those moments. And um, one of my questions was like, driveway mm -hmm. isn't like the, the film isn't like, one linear like plot line right it's like the most important parts of the film are the relationships and the lines like the line that it walks on so how like as a director do you make that balance between enhancing relationships and having those subtleties without making the movie seem like too slow yeah you know i, I think that's a really um it's a it's a real magic trick in some ways, you know. Uh, I think that the craft of making a feature film um, is, um, in some ways, like very uh, biorhythmy, you know. Um, I, I, I say this a lot about kind of the difference between short films and feature films, where with short films you can kind of craft something like a, you know, like a um, like a carpenter or something like you it's building blocks right it's pieces and you put it together it's like it's like legos right um and uh and with features it's very hard to do that because um uh there's something magical about that experience right like um uh you're, you're kind of absorbed into the into the film as opposed to looking at the film as an object. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's a real uh, alchemy and kind of, you know, like what's moving the story forward and feeling propulsive, you know, um, in terms of uh, pace and momentum. Um, and, you know, what's feeling like um, real life, like character observation, you know, um, and and so, uh, I was just really happy to have worked with um, uh, such a great editor 
Um, Katie McQuarrie, who's a mixed race Asian American woman who has a son that's around Cody's age, you know, um, there was just a, a, a real kind of connection to, to the material, um, you know, and, and, and I always knew that like, like that Katie being a mom would bring this like beautiful maternal quality to, you know, to the editing of the film. Um, and so, you know, I think what we, we worked really hard at it, you know, like there, originally there was a, a cut of the film that was like, you know, two hours and 20 minutes long and, you know, and now it's like 80, 87 minutes, you know, it's, it's, or gosh, 83, <laughs> it's quick, um, you know, and so, um, uh, you know, like there was a lot of essentializing, you know, like what's the most important thing that you need to see, right? Like what really moves this forward, but is so powerful. And so, you know, like with each of the actors, you know, there are many scenes kind of exploring more, but the actors were so good that like we, we didn't always need them, right? Like you could just kind of, you know, you knew what the relationship was already. Like you knew, um, you know, that you knew kind of what this character felt like, you know, so quickly because the performances were really great. Um, so yeah, you know, I think uh, a lot of it is just, the creative process and spending time with it. You know, we spent over, you know, over three months um, editing, you know, the film. And it's not necessarily like a VFX heavy, like post-production, you know, heavy film. Mm -hmm. It was really just about crafting and, and feeling it and, you know, like understanding the rhythm of it, like just like watching it over and over again. Um, and seeing like, what is the spirit of this movie, you know, like versus like, what was it that we had initially imagined? Because it's always going to be different. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it, it was a, it's a real kind of um, process of, you know, like feeling the movie within your bones, within like your heartbeat, so that you know, like when you're working on a scene, like we should, we should cut here, or we should, see more you know um it's it's a you know it's the hardest part of the process but for me it is also like one of the most fun mm -hmm. yeah okay. and for me i'd like the heart of the film was this like beautiful relationship between dell and cody but i feel like that age difference is something that you rarely see between actors especially in like larger movies and i was wondering as a director how did you know when that relationship felt right? And was it hard to direct the actors to get that um, perfect balance? Um, yeah, you know, it, was, it was a little bit of a, of a gamble because, uh, you know, uh, Lucas, who plays um, Cody, and then Brian, uh, Brian Dennehy, who plays Dell, um, you know, they hadn't met until uh, the day before shooting, you know? Um, uh, Brian wasn't available, you know, Lucas had to fly over from Los Angeles to New York where we were shooting. Um, and so, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if, if they were going to get along. Um, but uh, thankfully, you know, they're both like very lovely people. Like Lucas is just like, you know, you just want to take care of him. Like he's an adorable kid and, and he's such a great actor um, you know, I remember when we did our first scene, 
uh, Brian Dennehy was like, oh my God, like the kid is so good. Like he's so good. Um, and so there was just an immediate respect that they had for each other, you know? And I think that that really helped. And, you know, their friendship was really genuine, you know, between takes, they would like be joking around. Um, you know, Brian would help Lucas with the, like a British accent for fun, you know? Um, it was it was really endearing. And, and so um, as a director, uh, I just had to like, get out of the way and 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 you know kind of reveal it for the camera that's all i had to do um the hardest thing actually was was trying to get um you know scenes from earlier in the film where where dell and cody aren't friends um you know those were actually trickier shoot like shoots uh you know because um because because Brian would be so friendly to Lucas and I had to like tell him like oh actually like Dell doesn't Dell doesn't trust the you know just doesn't trust Cody yet and and Brian would say like why like the kid's great like he's so nice and he's adorable like you know so it was it was this thing of uh you know just like having uh, done the work in the casting you know like trying to find the best actors who were empathetic and generous and then trusting that they would you know click and um and uh and and they did and and you know it was such a a gift to the film because you know if that uh relationship didn't feel authentic then i knew i didn't have a movie you know um because because yeah i agree with you if it, it's very much the heart of the film and so um you know i was i was very very thankful for that yeah like even with cody's mom she like was protective but also like somewhat chill with her son hanging out with this like random neighbor um and she just had a very i was i kept on telling sam i was like her aesthetic her dress in the film like it just seemed very like cool like cool mom um but like in general with the characters did you have like specific people in mind that you were kind of like molding them after from your own life yeah, you know, um, uh, like Cody for sure. Like when I was thinking about, you know, bringing that character to life, and um, you know, Hannah and Paul's screenplay was like so, it was so good at kind of like finding that humanity. Um, you know, my, you know, I was thinking a lot about myself as a kid, right? You know, as like, um you know, like a sensitive kid as a kid that's a little bit, you know, nervous around like, you know, like bully boys who are definitely going to grow up to be straight. And, you know, <laughs> like, like that was a thing. Um, uh, and then, you know, with, with Dell, like I just thought a lot about my, my own grandparents. Um, and, and Kathy was actually very much kind of like, modern me in some ways you know like she was my way into the story this like very modern character trying to juggle many different things and having to you know like live um a little bit like by the seat of her pants you know like never quite sure you know like where you're going to get your next paycheck and and being responsible for someone mm -hmm. you know i i really understood that kind of modern dilemma um and 
And, and so, you know, I had feelings about each of these characters and then it wasn't until we cast, you know, each of them that um, they came to life a little bit more for me, you know, um, uh, Hong had like a very uh, specific uh, take on Kathy that I really enjoyed, you know, that like she wasn't, she wasn't going to be like a, like a overly sweet mom, like she was going to be like, stressed out you know <laughs> and um and uh and then you know working with each of my collaborators like my um my production designer charlotte royer just in kind of figuring out like uh like you know the objects that these characters are surrounded by like even just like what backpack they're wearing you know like i remember figuring out Cody's backpack, like that was like a whole thing, you know, and we found this kind of blue and pink backpack that just felt like, yeah, like I would wear that. So like, let's do it. Um, and then with, um, uh, with our costume designer, Matthew Simonelli, you know, like, like, it's just like, where does, where does Kathy shop, you know? And, and he was like, like, yeah, she's probably, you know, like going to Goodwill, but like has like an artistic eye and so finds kind of like those vintage finds that like she can style really cool, you know? Um, and and so, uh, you know, just a lot kind of um, came from from these uh, collaborations. Like if I were to to design these characters from the ground up solely by myself, I think they wouldn't be interesting or they wouldn't necessarily feel um, you know, uh, like three-dimensional, but it's through conversations and collaboration with like really artistic people, you know, that have insights that, um, you know, that these characters really, really came to life. You know, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite stories about our costume designer, Matthew, was that, um, you know, in early conversations with him about driveways, he had mentioned, hey, like, you know, uh, like Kathy and Cody, um, they should share clothes, you know, like they're about the same size and, you know, uh, like they're, they're very close and intimate. Um, you know, they've come on this road trip, you know, expecting to, you know, be in this town for like maybe a week and then they end up having to be there for months. Like they probably, you know, don't have a lot of clothes with them. And so, you know, it's a really subtle thing in the movie, but, um, you know, like Cody wears Kathy's shirt, you know, every now and then. And, you know, at one point I think they're, they should like one of them wears the same leggings, you know? Um, and it's this thing where it's like, yeah, like that, you know, even though it's kind of an Easter egg, not everybody's going to notice it for me. I was like, Oh, that's really beautiful because it just really shows like, you know, like how close these two characters are, even if they, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, like, um, uh, like hanging out all the time in this movie together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one other thing that I thought was really beautiful in the movie was it felt like a lot of the shots were a lot, were about space. Like a lot of this space inside of the house felt very claustrophobic, but there were other shots inside of the house where it felt open. And also the idea of suburb, a suburb in general, I feel like, gives this spacious kind of feeling. And I was wondering, how did you navigate shooting in these small and large spaces? And what did it mean to you to like leave room between the characters? Um, 
you know, I, uh, I, I'm very glad that you, you know, uh, observed that, uh, you know, the cinematography in driveways um, is, you know, very, uh, you know, it's, it's subtle in many ways. Like it's not, um, there's not a lot of like camera movement or, you know, like long takes, um, but uh, it, it was still very expressive to me in kind of telling this particular story. My cinematographer, Kijin Kim, he also shot Spawnite, um, you know, Korean DP filmmaker that I love and we just really get each other. And, you know, when we were talking about um, driveways, um, you know, we talked a lot about it from an emotional point of view and, you know, this film is so much about these characters' relationship to space, you know, um, that, um, you know, they move to this small town that they, you know, aren't familiar with and they're cleaning out this house, like, you know, their environment is as much a character, you know, uh, you know, in the film as they are. And so, um, you know, like Keijin, um really wanted to show off the spaces in a way that really allowed it to to be an integral part of the the story so yeah you know we uh talked a lot about like you know how the space and the, the character's relationship to the space changes and how at first it can feel really claustrophobic and tight and scary and then by the end of the film you know like this kind of wide open space can feel like freedom and and growth in the future, um, and so uh, you know we we really uh, like work to highlight that both in the production design um, and in the lighting and in the framing. Um, so you know it, that hoarder house, you know, um, uh, like it was really important to Kijin that like all of the light kind of come from outside, and so it feels kind of like a cave. Um, you know, um, uh, and then our production designer, uh, you know, she had the really brilliant idea of like putting all the, the kind of hoarding, um, in piles that were on, um, like roller wheels so that you could like move a pile so that you could get an actor in or you could get a camera in. Um, and so it really helped with just the, um, producibility of it all. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's something that I carried over from, you know, Spanai, uh, which is um, set in Koreatown. Um, you know, this uh, this desire to like feel like my films are grounded in a location. Um, you know, uh, that to me is really important. You know, like I, I I think location has to you know, it changes who we are, it affects our stories, you know, um, and so to highlight that in cinema, in my own movies is, is I think, um, you know, really important. Yeah, no, definitely. Also loved the addition of the, um, the dead cat. <laughs> Thought that was a really <laughs> good extra, like, this place is kind of dank <laughs> yeah. addition. Um, thank you so much for letting us interview you. And yeah just really appreciate what you're doing and we both love the film love your direction thank you yeah no thank you for having me and i'm very excited for you know the podcast and and what you're doing i think uh the curation's really cool thank you so much yeah yeah, yeah have a good day you too yeah have a good day bye, bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Andrew on and you check out the film Driveways. You can find this episode on quarantinecontent.com or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.